Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and today I am joined by my good buddy from bootleg football, Mr. EJ Snyder. You can follow him out on Twitter at football EJ. And you know that when EJ is here, we are getting into draft season. And today we're going to be talking about a little bit of Shrine Bowl, the East West Shrine Bowl here. It happened here just a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we're going to be talking about it now. And EJ was on site down there. How's it going, EJ? Really well. It's his Shrine Bowl is always kind of like lighting a fuse. <laughs> Once you go to the Shrine Bowl, do all your research, get ready, meet all the players, do all the interviews. Like when you come back, it is on until draft season. So uh, the fuse is lit. Yeah, we will be at, you know, the end of April before we know it. It's an exciting time of year and couldn't be happier to hop by and talk about it. Well, I was following along while you were down there and picking up on some of the names that you guys were looking at, were interviewing. And I've got about five or six names that I wanted to go through and because, you know, intriguing for the Seahawks, maybe. And ultimately, you know, the chances of one of these guys ending up on the team may be kind of small. But uh, this is what we do in draft season. We we kind of try and pick out some of the guys we might like. And then when they do hit for our team, it, it feels really good. And because we know who they are and, and we got hyped on them uh, throughout the, you know, the lead up to the draft. Yeah, for sure. It's it's cool to follow their stories. I, you know, that's how I got into scouting players for the draft. It is really cool when they land with a team that you follow and you've followed their story and you're aware of like how they got to this point being ready to be drafted by the NFL. It I think it adds something really cool. Well, and the other thing that I always tend to do, just because I don't know the names of the guys, is I, I may butcher one or two of these names as we get into this, EJ, but uh, maybe you can help me out because you, you spoke to them in person or or just had some interaction. But uh, why don't we get started with defense? Now that we've got a new head coach in Seattle, a defensive head coach, and Mike McDonald coming over from the Ravens, I, I kind of am leaning defense heavy with some of the guys that are intriguing to me, but part of that is too. I feel like the Seahawks had a pretty good offense and uh, I know we're going to get into some offensive linemen too, but let's start off at the safety spot uh, from players who were at the East West Shrine Bowl. And let's start off with uh, someone who was playing in his home state safety from Texas Tech, Dadrian Taylor Demerson. Yeah, I can, I can help you with the name because he goes by rabbit, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> like, He's the nickname guy. The, 
That absolutely, he's a nickname guy. Dadrian is his first name. He answers to either very respectful young guy, um, but goes by Rabbit. Everybody calls him Rabbit. His teammates call him Rabbit. His coaches call him Rabbit. Um, and Taylor Demerson, the hyphenated last name, we asked him about that because we saw him listed as Taylor. Um, Demerson is actually his stepdad's name, who has been his dad, you know, for his entire life. Uh, and he added that as a tribute. Um, his dad is still alive, but he wanted to honor him on his jersey, which if you've seen any film of Rabbit, like the name stretches over the entire shoulder plates. But we thought that was really cool. Great dude. Good size. I would say faster than he is quick. When he really opens up, he can run. He is versatile. He is one of the few guys in this draft, I think, that is as comfortable playing nickel right up the line and jamming guys as he is playing single high deep safety. And he's good at both. And there are guys that can play both, but there's not a ton of guys that are like good at both. So in terms of Mike McDonald's defense, we know he likes versatility in the defensive backfield. We saw what he did with Kyle Hamilton, not saying that rabbit is Kyle Hamilton. I don't think they're the same player, but they do have some similarities. Uh, They can both run. They can both hit um, coming from depth. Or again, when you're playing nickel, you're part of the run fit. You absolutely have to play the run. He will tackle. Smart guy, that sort of mental understanding of the game, I think, helps him get in the right position so he can use those physical skills. He's not the thickest guy. He's not small. He's not short, but he's not one of those guys that you walk by. But I felt like he he had to speak to some sort of reputation of being undersized. Uh, It's thin, I think. When you look at his build, he looks a little bit more like maybe a wide receiver Um, but he is unafraid to hit. He will throw every bit of his mass in there. Um, and again, he's not small. He's not short. Uh, some about 200 pounds. That's kind of, yeah. yeah. And he seems very natural at either. Again, the nickel spot right up there on the line, either jamming receivers. He blitzes occasionally, certainly involved in the run fit. will chase guys down for tackles for loss. And then the very next play, you'll see him like 25 yards deep, you know, being deeper than the deepest, single high deep safety and and running with guys that are running deep slots and fades. Not too many guys have that kind of versatility. Um, really enjoyed talking to him. I, it'll be interesting to see how he tests. I'm most interested probably in the agility metrics for him and the acceleration metrics. I think he's going to run just fine because, again, when he opens up, nobody runs away from him. Once he gets up to speed, he can run with anybody. Well, the next guy on the list, uh, speaking of size, this one, maybe the size and measurements that came in were a little bit surprising. And that's Xavier Thomas, the edge out of Clemson, because he feels like a guy that plays pretty big and ends up you know, he, the height came in at six one, which it, it may have been a little bit of a surprise to some. But uh, I, you know, Clemson edge defender. I, what did you think of him? He didn't catch my eye for the first day, but that had more to do with all-star games are a little bit weird. You can't watch everything all at once on each team. You kind of have to concentrate on, on one side of the ball one day and another side of the ball, or, you know, one day is wide receivers and defensive backs. And the next day you're watching, you know, offensive line versus defensive line one-on-ones and you kind of have to float around. You don't, you don't catch everybody in the first day. And the thing that really caught my eye is I ran into Sam, who is one of the pro scouts for, uh, I think he's the lead national scout for the Bears, 
Um, I met him in 2020 when I was down at the Shrine Bowl and he was part of the Bears delegation. And I'd seen him do like follow-ups in previous years. The Bears do like nice video segments with their scouts talking about players they drafted. And Sam was responsible for Southeast. So he was responsible for all the Georgia guys uh, that, you know, the Bears drafted. And I knew his face. So I walked up to him and uh, introduced myself and then uh, promptly stuck my foot in my mouth and said, congratulations on your promotion. Um, because I swore that he had been promoted to the head national scout. And he looked at me and said, uh, what's that? And I was like, Oh no. And he hadn't been, I, imagined that or or oh, somebody man. else i'm not sure i felt like such an idiot but he was super gracious took a picture of me very very cool guy talking a little shop um so i got to remind him of that and he said hey never wrong just early it did happen it <laughs> happened two years later um he said so you predicted it so i should thank you and i was like i don't know that i'm gonna take credit for that one but we started talking about guys at the shrine bowl and sam said eh, probably second player out of his mouth was this guy from clemson he said i some plays today and i had noticed a couple of kind of pop plays so for the rest uh, the next day i marked him down there's four days of shrine practice so third day and fourth day i really concentrated on him and while being undersized he is he has some explosion to him he is interesting i don't think he's a guy that's going to go in the top rounds um i think he's a third or fourth round guy yeah. i think he's going to come in as a situational pass rusher largely because of the size and maybe the measurables i'm not sure he's going to be uh everybody's cup of tea for arm length or explosion to sort of very integral measurements for pass rusher but having guys like sam who uh have a very good eye uh he was the guy he was the lead scout responsible for drafting roquan smith uh for getting eddie jackson like um sam's got a very good eye and he said yeah there's something there like it, he didn't didn't go into detail but he was like oh, he caught my like i was, I was watching him so well, and you, you might answer he, my follow-up question too by saying situational pass rusher because watching him i i just had that question of could he consistently set an edge in the run game for the defense. And and so maybe that's your I question. I don't know too. that he's going to do that successfully. And I haven't, to be fair to him, to Xavier, I haven't gone back to his tape to see that piece of his game. Yeah. Mostly I was concentrating on pass rush. Um, didn't have that many opportunities. Uh, the, Practice for for run sets is a little bit different. Like guys getting their gaps, but it's not super physical in practice. They're not taking guys to the ground. So uh, players like inside linebackers and running backs really don't have a great chance to showcase their skills uh, at these practices really until the game comes around. Um, and the same thing for heavy physical stuff like setting an edge. You'll see some of it in team, but not very many downs and guys rotate in and out. So you don't get a really good feel for that. So that's definitely a tape thing for me to go back and watch, you know, Hey, did he get blown off the ball in the ACC? If so, certainly going to struggle with that as a pro. So how are you going to, how are you going to compensate for that? Or how are you, is the team that drafts him going to use him to sort of scheme around that knowing that, Hey, maybe that's not his, is ace in the hole. Hey, Ohio, have you heard the buzz? Slinger's signature cocktails are the new go-to to go. Slinger's are convenient canned cocktail-inspired flavored beverages that bring you delicious flavors like Bahama Mama, Peach Screwdriver, and Pineapple Punch with 8% ABV. They pack a punch at a price you can't beat. 
No time to make fancy cocktails? Don't want to break the bank on a night out? Slingers has you covered. Blast your taste buds, not your wallet. Grab Slingers today. American Fermentation Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Please drink responsibly. Well, sticking on the defensive line, I want to talk nose tackles. And I uh, got Christian Boyd down Northern Iowa. And uh, I'm talking nose tackle because the Seahawks need one. I mean, they drafted one last year, but they kind of, I mean, the defense didn't have, I would have a guy that I'd point to and say that dude played the nose consistently. So I, I, my eyes wandered there and uh big man out of Northern Iowa was the, the guy that caught my eye. Absolute beast. I'm just going to, I'm just going to plant my flag right now. Love this guy. Like, Love, love, love Christian Boyd. So the way the interview schedule works at Shrine is uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there are scheduled times for each uh, unit from each team, east or west, to come through. So it's like east defensive line or west wide receivers and tight ends or whatever. And then Monday and Tuesday are reserved for basically call outs. You can request a guy if you missed him or if a guy popped off during practice or whatever else. When we started, Christian wasn't on our list. We knew he was going to be there. I had not watched any film of him before I got there. Uh, more than highlights. Uh, I knew about what his size was and, and you know what position he played, but that was about it. First play of the first practice, he took another guy we're going to talk about, another Christian, Christian Mahogany, who uh, is, uh, you know, was a preseason All-American in the ACC at Boston College in 2021. Was a very solid player, is a very solid player, and he yanked him off his feet and threw him on his teeth. Wow. Like, absolutely push pulled him off his feet, ragdolled him, and threw him on his head. And it was like, what? Because I've watched literally all of 2021 from Christian Mahogany. Nobody did that to him. Right. Like, nobody. And he played against, you know, all the ACC, Miami and Florida State, the whole bit. Nobody <laughs> did that to him. And yeah, he's was, not a scrub. He, he was first team it, it all ACC. Violent, yeah, it was <laughs> violent and sudden. And it was like, who is this guy? So when it got to, you know, these sort of invitational interviews, we were like, oh, yeah, get us, Christian. We want to talk to him. Ends up, he ended up being the last guy just because of scheduling that we talked to in the entire interview process. Tuesday it was late. Everybody's a little bit worn down from, you know, now five straight days of practice and interviews with teams and everything else. Absolutely lit it up. Like, he is intense. He is smart. He is prepared. He came ready. Um, watching him after that first rep, he has great feet for his size. He's way quicker. So when we label him nose tackle, I would say anywhere between nose and three. And honestly, I think he could play a little bit of stand-up five. He could, he could kind of do the Chris Jones thing. Is he Chris Jones? No. But he's quick enough with his feet. He's excellent with his hands, and he's one of the few defensive linemen I've seen in college that always, whether it's drill, game, whatever, always links two moves together with his hands. Usually, if a guy in college has a sort of go-to move that works, he'll throw it, and if it works, great, he's free. And if it doesn't, then they're kind of in a shoving match, and you know they might try and counter with like a, a spin or something. But a lot of times, the rep is just pretty much over. Christian, even if he's winning... With that first move, he's adding a rip. If if you know single swipe doesn't work, he'll do a double swipe, he'll do a chop, he'll do a rip, and he always has a pair of moves. And they're quick and they're violent. He is built like an absolute tank. He is not the tallest guy, but he is square. And I swear to God, his shoulders are about like this. <laughs> like he is just a super solid human being. 
and uh, very smart, uh, studied all the linemen that were going to be there uh, before he got there with his agent. He was prepared. He had a plan for how he was going to rush all of them. Um, and he's got a just it's hard to describe. He's just feisty. He's just got an edge. It's control, but like he, you know, for a guy that's going to get contact, heavy contact on every play, you just, you need that. It's like, he wants to get in a controlled fight. He's, he's not a reckless player. He's not a flag drawer. He's not a, you know, crap talker. That's, that's not really his thing. At at least not, you know, over the top, he is ready to take your face off every play like he's into it that's that's his gig and he wants to do it and he's capable of it love his game i can't wait to see where he ends up great dude super good interview super fun to watch on the field just a leader in all the drills like you know coaches were always like yeah christian like nice combo like good good feet you know it was always something positive with him so great great player love 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 his game Well, then from one team captain at Northern Iowa to another team captain at Boston College, why don't we talk about Christian Mahogany, the the guy playing left guard there at BC. And uh, he was a team captain even after not playing entire the entire season of 2022 due to injury. Yeah, still coming back, did not come back at the beginning of the season, missed the entire 2022 season, missed a couple of games beginning of 2023. And I really feel like he's still rounding in his strength. He is good as he is. He will be, I think, completely good to go. That is completely sort of healed and back to that point where guys get their explosion back by the time, you know, organized team activities start. Um, he didn't indicate to us that he had any sort of residual leftovers from that injury. He is a big powerful dude like you just you stand next to him and you're like yep that's an nfl body like 100 uh huge feet i said dude like he was wearing slides i was like dude what size are your feet he's like 16 i was like oh, okay he's got bows for feet his footwork is a little unorthodox he even talked about this that his coaches would be like you know you're not supposed to do that but it works for you so we're not gonna we're not gonna correct it because you're you know you're getting to where you need to be like on time or or quicker um you know adding that little half drop step should actually slow you down, but you're getting there faster than anybody else. So we're just going to kind of reminds me of like a quarterback throwing motion that just works. And coaches are like, we're not going to screw that because he's completing a lot of balls. Same thing with his footwork. Um, big, powerful dude, a lot of experience, even though he missed a full season due to injury played very, very well early in his career. Again, 2021, he was a leader in the ACC. Everybody was like, okay, when's he coming out? You know, that was a good couple of seasons ago now. So interesting player path, very, very thoughtful guy, very, very smart, understands what defenses are trying to do to his offensive line, um, is able to express that very clearly and cleanly. Really enjoyed our chat with him. We actually had him. This is fun. We had him in the chair uh, during the Baltimore KC game when Zay Flowers scored the the touchdown. Oh, wow. Now, Zay is his teammate, right? right? And we had Zay in that chair last year in, uh-huh. in Las Vegas. So we we have that reaction during the middle of the interview where he was just like, yeah, let's go, Zay. And we're like, <laughs> former teammate Zay Flowers just scored in the, you know, the AFC championship game. Um Super fun stuff that happens like that, but um, really good dude. Uh, ended up running into him. There, there are certain players that you just run into randomly, leaving practice, coming for practice, meals, whatever. It seemed like we ran into Christian quite a bit during the week, so I was able to talk to him five or six times, just short conversations about how practice went, how he's feeling. Um, 
Really good dude. Uh, enjoy him. He is going to be a solid pro. Well, we'll stay on the offensive line and another large human, especially if you follow EJ out on Twitter uh, <laughs> or X at football EJ. This was a picture that you saw on his timeline of him standing in front of Anim Dankwa, the offensive tackle out of Howard University. And I don't know, EJ, whether to be impressed by <laughs> your wingspan or if Anim has short arms for his size. Yeah, that's what everybody said. I, I think it's camera tricks. I'm going to credit Brett, who took that photo. Um, I was literally, my heels were, so Anim's heels were against the wall. And again, he has very large feet. Um, and my heels were against his toes. So it wasn't like I was superimposed to the front of the frame. So I looked bigger. Um, but everybody went nuts about, quote unquote, my wingspan. Now, I don't, I did not get my arms measured at Shrine. I don't know what my wingspan is. I'm just over six feet tall, about 219 pounds. I, I think I have fairly regular arms. Everybody was like, what the heck? Um, and Anim's arms are not short. He has 35 and a half inch arms. Yeah. It's like an 88 inch wingspan or something. He's massive. He's six, seven, three sixty two. Um, wants to get down to about three forty five, three forty eight by the combine to run. And then probably up about 10 pounds to, to be ready to go to camp. Really interesting guy. Talked with him at length. Uh, ended up interviewing him after we talked to him. So we had a casual conversation with him just when he was sitting around in the lounge as we were packing up one night. And he said to Brett, now, once a year this happens, um, an offensive lineman will say to Brett, hey, man, I, I like learned how to play football by watching your videos. Like I learned about blocking schemes by watching film. And it's so fun because Brett completely melts and the player is like, being completely genuine. Uh, Anim was that guy this year. And so we ended up talking awesome. to him for like 35 or 40 minutes. Uh, and then we put him on the interview schedule because of a lot of the conversation we had with him. And we talked about people he played with that transferred out and went to bigger schools, uh, why he chose to stay people. They played against at Howard. They played, you know, some very big schools. They played Northwestern and other, you know, power five schools that, had really good players. So everybody always says with a guy coming from Howard, Oh, level of competition. Has he played anybody? And again, that's what shrine bowl and senior bowl are great for. You're playing against guys from top schools. You're playing against guys from Tennessee and Alabama and Florida state and, you know, Washington. And like, you, you got the full gamut and he did fine. He, he, he got to trucked though on, on one of his reps he, that I saw. No, he has to he has to learn how to shoot his hands. Yeah. Right now, his technique is not great in the fact that he has these very long arms and he's strong, but he doesn't shoot his hands. He doesn't use that length aggressively to his advantage. He moves his feet very well, but he lets guys into his chest. And you know, for offensive line, that's a cardinal sin. If a if a pass rusher gets his hands on your chest plate, you're in trouble. He owns you. He can, he can move you and, and run you right over. And that happened to him multiple times. And coaches worked with him. Hey, man, you got to keep him off and you have the length to do it. But that requires, you know, stabbing your hand out there. And that, you know, that lets pass rushers attack that. It's an entire chess match. And he has to learn that skill. But you cannot teach 6'7", 362 with pretty good feet. Well, and just the story, too, of what he's overcome. He, he came from, I want Ghana, I believe, and then to Canada. And so he's he has like this backstory that's really interesting. And then, you know, I like the yep. small school guys. And so, Howard, like that intrigues me. So it's just it, the the size of the dude, the story, 
everything. It, it just seems like a super cool guy. So all of it kind of just intrigues me. I, I don't care where he goes in the draft. He's just one of those guys that I, I gravitate toward. Absolutely. Super cool dude. Still learning. And I sort of liken him somewhat in a physical comp to a guy like Dewan Jones, who came out of Ohio State last year as a third tackle. And everybody's like, man, he's massive and he's got all the size, but he's got a lot of things he's got to clean up. And sure enough, lands in Cleveland with Bill Callahan and like five games into the season, it's like, wow, Dewan Jones is really good. <laughs> and so I really hope that Anim ends up with a high quality O-line coach that understands what they have and what his limitations are and can get him up to speed quickly, get him shooting those hands, sort of weaponizing that length because 35-5 is, is real good for a tackle. You can keep a lot of pass rushers at bay with that if you know how to use it. So if that happens, I could see a similar curve. I'm, I'm not saying Aneem is, is Dewan Jones. There are some similarities, and if he lands in a good spot, he could be good quickly because, again, he is a very good athlete, played a little soccer as a kid, has great feet. You can see it. Um, moves really well for that size. Like You, you hear that size, and you're like, oh, man, he's got to be a, a plotter that can't bend. And mm, No, he has very good feet. He can bend. He's got to learn how to use that upper half in a sort of aggressive fashion. Once he does that, like nobody's going to be able to touch him. Like if he turns his his frame sideways and stabs you with a thirty five and a half inch arm, you you most pass rushers are not going to be able to touch him. Mm -hmm. So, and you saw that when he did connect, when he did manage to get, especially one of the smaller pass rushers like Xavier or Mo Camara, you know, when he got him, they're like forget it, like they. <laughs> you're out there. You are a long ways away from the quarterback at that point and not making any progress. So really cool, dude. Let's close this out with a couple of Florida state players. EJ starting on the defense with Jerry and Jones, uh, a nickel corner. And I know, you know, people are probably going to say, well, are you even looking at nickel corner for, because you got Witherspoon, but I, you know, I, I do like spoon better, but I've looked at draft boards, EJ, at where Jerry and Jones is, and he's not in the first two rounds of the draft. And I'm thinking, nope. if this dude's available in the third round, like, how do you not take this guy and, and put him in a secondary where you have Witherspoon and Reek and Jerry and Jones and just find a way to make it work? Because <laughs> yep. I, I, I like him a lot. You should. He's a he's a great guy. We missed him on the first. We actually got his teammate first, uh, Renardo Green, and it, that was a great interview. And whenever we got a teammate, we asked about the other teammate if he was there to give him a scouting report. So we asked Renardo, "Hey, what's your scouting report on Jerrion?" And and vice versa. That was a, a fun way. But it, we ended up getting Jerrion a day later. Jerrion is. I'm just going to say he's a corner. He ended up playing nickel more at Florida State, and he is not necessarily the fastest guy. He's not slow, but he's not like a burner. But he doesn't have to be because he is 192 pounds. He is sort of happiest as a slot corner, and he will hit. He will bring every bit of that, and he has the aggression and the size to back that up. He enjoys that role, um, again, setting the run, being part of the run fit completely within his wheelhouse. And he said something really interesting. He's a great interview. He's got a lot of energy. Um, one of the guys that was sort of the handler for his group said, Oh, have you had Jerry in yet? And we we're like, no, you're going you're gonna to like him. He's, he's kind of full of it, uh, but in a good way. And 
one of the things he said that really sort of caught my ear is like, everybody's like, what do you play? Like, do you play, you know, nickel? Do you play slot? Are you outside? Do you play deep? Are you safety? And he said, everybody plays match quarters, which is true. Like the entire league plays some version of match quarters and McDonald plays a ton of it. Right. This is a Saban coverage for people not familiar. And it's like coaches in that scheme don't want three corners and two safeties. He said, coaches in that scheme want four corners and a safety. So I'm just a corner and I'll play any one of those spots. I'll play the safety spot if you want me to, but I'm just a defensive back. So you can line me up at nickel. You can line me up outside. You can line me up left side, right side. I don't care because I'm a corner and it all comes down to man coverage. Eventually when a zone match breaks down, it, it it's man mm-hmm. after a few seconds and we're all going to end up playing man and I can do that. So I'm just a corner. I, you can call me anything you want, but I'm, I'm what coaches want. And I was like, it's a very good point, Jerry. That's, that's, that's super savvy. Uh, Super fun guy. Uh, we I left it up to Brett as to whether or not we were going to talk to the Florida State guys about their particular situation with the mm-hmm. national championship. I I didn't know if we wanted to poke the bear there or not. Brett, as expected, poked <laughs> the bear. Um, Jerry gave the best answer of all the Florida State guys, and by best I mean most honest. Uh, you know, he he prefaced it by saying. Can I say that on this podcast? We're like, oh, yes. If you're Please familiar do. with our yes. podcast, you indeed can say that. Uh, and he did. He said, we got. <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, okay. And he had stats. He came ready. He was, he, you know, they've been thinking about it. And they have a compelling case uh, that they would have been, you know, very, very competitive in that final four, even without Jordan Travis, who we also talked to. But Jerry Jones, super versatile, great size. Absolute dog, just a dog. Like as a football player, that's what everybody said about him that we asked. All the other Florida State guys that were there, they were like, Jerrion, dog, like 100% dog. We'll play with that guy anywhere. And Jerrion said, if I could take the secondary I played with to my NFL team, I would do it. Yeah, that was it was a good group. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do in the NFL, hopefully on the Seahawks. But uh, Jordan Travis, <laughs> one of those guys you mentioned, and part of the reason why FSU was in the situation that they were, devastating injury, and ultimately kept them out of that uh, national championship group. But he, uh, Jordan Travis was there at Shrine Bowl, and as you mentioned, he met with media, he met with teams there. And so I, I thought that was kind of cool that he, act, he, he made that trip and uh, was invested in, in the way that he could be. Yeah, it it is a cool thing about these games that uh, all the teams are there and pretty sure Jordan probably met with all of them. If he didn't meet with all of them, he probably met with like 26 or 28 of them. What that does is when these players go to Combine uh, here at the end of the month in Indianapolis, they don't have to redo those interviews. And so it makes their Combine week way easier. Mm. Because they've recently, within the last three weeks, met with a team. They don't have to meet with them again. Some teams will request second interviews, but that won't be all the teams. So instead of having to go to Indy, do all the medical testing, which is rigorous, that is a an absolute ringer of a day, and then meet with all 32 teams and be pulled from room to room to room to room, and then go do the physical testing for the third part, that is an exhausting trip to Indianapolis. If you can reduce that load and say, hey, I only have 12 interviews I have to do. I have, you know, six teams I didn't meet with and six teams that want follow-ups. That's, you know, 
a third the amount of teams that you'd be meeting with typically. So they're reducing their load for later. Jordan being injured, I was in a walking boot. He was moving around pretty well. Um, incredibly smooth operator. And I mean, the way he answers questions, the way he operates on the field, this kid is just smooth. <laughs> like he is, he, he just kind of oozes that quarterback calm, right? He has the right answers in the right cadence. It's not polished or slick. He felt very genuine, mm-hmm. but it was just, he's just like, you can tell when he gets in the huddle and says, guys, we're going to score. Like everybody goes, yep, <laughs> we're going to score. Um, love his accuracy, especially on short throws. Now that might sound counterintuitive, but accuracy on short throws is really important. Like setting your guy up on those very quick bang, bang throws to running backs or slot screens or bubble fades or any of that stuff. You have to put it in the right spot to set your guy up for yak. If you make him turn around or reach or whatever, he's going to take a rib shot and you're going to take a loss. Whereas if you lead it out in front of him, just lay it up there and he can catch it on the run. You're going to get five or six yards basically for free. Jordan Travis is extremely good at that. And even in the throws where he basically doesn't set at all, where it's basically like take the snap and just whip it from weird arm angles with his feet all over the place, accuracy is very consistent on those short throws and shows up all over his tape. And not a lot of guys are like that. That was something that really set him apart for me. And just a a super polished guy that's going to represent your team really well, both on the field and off. Like he gets it. He understands what being a quarterback is about. And I think he's probably going to get underdrafted. I think he is. People are going to forget about him a little bit because I feel he's like injured. with the injury, yeah, and that's yeah. kind of why he was on my radar. Because you know, even if he isn't coming back right away, you got Gino to there that potentially Lerbine, Who knows if Drew what they decided to do yep. with him as a free agent? But I feel like that would be maybe a good situation to be drafted in for him. Absolutely, tall, polished, good thrower. Um, you know, I it, it, nothing seems too big or too fast for him. I a lot of guys get overwhelmed. Uh, it would be great for him to come in as a number two, no pressure with a with a veteran that's you know starting, and he could be starting in short order. Or if he had to start due to injury to the starter, like I just don't feel like he's one of those guys that would go out there with big eyes and be like, oh my god. He'd be like, you know, look, I had an undefeated team against some basically everybody you lined up against us. Uh, and it wasn't just because of the defense. So yeah, he, he was a bit more tactful in his answer, uh, but held the same bent about what happened to them. Um, you can tell he's thinking about it, but I, I don't think he's really like holding it. He's not wild about it. Jerry. And I would, I would say is still holding it. Um, well, I thought that, but, I mean, one of the reasons why he was on my radar too, was his answer after he got injured, because I think he said something to the effect of, I just wish I would have gotten injured sooner. So then that way, essentially that they could go out and prove it without me. Yeah. His point was if, uh, if I'm so important to this team that you can't put this team in the final without me, what about the defense? <laughs> like, how many points did anybody score against us? And this was Jerry's point, Renardo's point, and and all those guys' points was like, we have confidence in our backup. Is he Jordan? No, but nobody's scoring against us anyways. So right. we could have won it with a couple of field goals. Like, and they were dead serious. They were like, you got to score on us, and nobody did. So like we were undefeated and you can't have it both ways. If Jordan's so important. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't play defense. Why isn't, 
why isn't he in the Heisman voting? Like, if he's so important that he gets knocked out that the team doesn't get invited to the national championship, he's not even a Heisman finalist. Like, what is it? Yeah, make that make sense. Yeah. So they they had a lot going on, but he was very smooth about that. And just as an athlete, I I do think he's going to be one of the guys from the second tier of quarterbacks in this draft that has as much chance to succeed as any of them because he's got that great mix of mental makeup and physical skills that I think will slot right in. He's EJ Snyder of bootleg football. EJ, I know throughout the next coming weeks, coming months, you guys are going to have a lot of shrine bowl content that comes out of that time that you spent down there. What, uh, what's something that people should be particularly excited for? Uh, mostly the interviews. We'll be dropping an interview a week until the draft. So we got probably, I think, like 18 or 20. We'll probably publish about 12. We got about 12 weeks until the draft. Um, we'll pick the best 12. We've got some stuff we've never done before. We did a combo interview, two players from the same team at the same time, uh, oh. guys that played next to each other. That was fun. Uh, so we got to ask them. You know, uh, there are players that had played together for a long time, too. They came up together at the same school. Um, neither one of them transferred in, so they have a lot of experience playing next to each other. Kind of thing where they could sort of finish each other's sentences, which is super fun. Um, so we've never done that before, but uh, just the talent overall. Like, I, I'm every year I go to this game, the talent gets better and better, and you just find that the separation what people think of these players and what their actuality is, the offers they had coming out of high school, the players they played against in high school, in college, the line is super thin. It is, this is not a big drop. Like these are some of the top 200 players in all of college football, you know, four to 8,000 guys in any particular year, you know, potentially capable of being drafted. And you're talking about the top 200, you're talking about a slice of 1%. So, just so talented, so experienced, uh, such a variety of, like you said, stories, backgrounds, how they got there, um, ranges of experience. Just really, really enjoy talking to all of them and then bringing those stories to everybody that follows us. Definitely look forward to it. Subscribe on YouTube if you follow them and uh, you'll be sure to get all of those interviews. EJ Snyder, Bootleg Football. EJ, I uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. Looking forward to an exciting lead up to our NFL draft and I think with that there's only one thing left to say go Hawks go Hawks